Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Coaching Space podcast with me, Justin Bodel, a space where I look at the people side of performance. My guest today is someone who I was really looking forward to interviewing, um, mental game and high-performance coach Jody Martins. Jody has worked in the space for the last 10 years. He has specialized in working a lot with cricketers and has had the privilege of coaching some of the best junior provincial and senior provincial cricketers in the country, the likes of South African Proteas batsman Temba Babuma. In today's episode, I chat to Jody about the mental side of the game, something that really fascinates me and I think is very applicable whether we are working in a sporting environment or not. To understand what the mental side of the game is all about, how what we think and what we feel impacts on our behavior, ultimately our performance, we chat about this idea of being in the zone or being in a state of flow, and Jody gives his view on what that actually looks like. We talk about some of the common pitfalls and the struggles, the mental errors that people make. And, and more importantly, what are some of the tools and techniques that, that people can apply to actually navigate those and to, to reach that state of flow and that state of focus that everyone is aiming for. And we end off with a little discussion around this idea of mindfulness, something that has become a really hot topic in the business world and in the sporting world as well, and how that applies to the mental side of the game. It was a real privilege to chat to Jody. He shares very openly. He gives a lot of really good and practical insights and tips, um, and I hope that you enjoy it. Cool. Well, good morning, Jody. Thank you so much for, for joining me this morning. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure and looking forward to our quick little chat here. So listen, question number one, um, I suppose an obvious place to start. You, you work as a, as a mental conditioning or mental strength coach. How do you personally define the work that you do in this space with individuals and teams? Perfect. Yeah, I think it's a great question because I don't think it's always understood really. So, so happy to start the conversation there. Um, yeah. For me, there's two parts of it, maybe three parts. The first part is that most athletes think that the mental game is sort of just the strategy side of their sport. And I think that is true because the strategy side is something that tends to happen on the inside. It is the awareness of the game. It is the thinking that they have around sort of playing the game. Yeah. And so often when I speak to, to, to athletes, it's like, do you have a mental coach? And they're like, no, 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 my, my, my sports coach can take care of that for me. And uh -huh. then normally it's around that strategic side of the game, which yes. is great sports coaches in my mind yes they qualify to take part of that side um that's not to me that's not really the mental game even though it is an internal game that's being played yeah. so the mental game to me has got two parts the first part is the side around the mental skills so this would be typically the things around sort of um an ability to be present visualization or mental imagery as it's sometimes called i like referring to it as inner practice because it's sort of an ability to train on the inside yeah um it's maybe the skill of managing your state managing your emotions um it's the skills of being present so that's one side of it then there's the completely the other side which is the type of person you are and developing your yourself really wow. to a point where that where where that affects your ability to perform better on the field so they're more and, and therein lies for me the softer side of the game so things like that would be typical in that space would be around acceptance permission gratitude um 
an ability to authentically show up as yourself. And I think once we can, and there's much probably there's more to, to it than that, but those things have a tendency to lead to more confidence, have it has a tendency to lead to being able to perform better at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And you know, have you, I mean, you've obviously worked in this space for for a number of years. I know you've kind of specialized in working with cricketers or um sort of in in, in particular. Um, but have you have you seen players or coaches starting to show a greater appreciation for, for the mental side of the game? Have you noticed a shift at all? Or, or do you still think it's, it's a way off where it could be? <laughs> yeah, and I think it's, the short answer is no. Yeah. I, I've been involved in the cricket space for 25 years. Sure. And I would pretty much, I think maybe more people are aware of it yeah. than they were. But engaging and really sort of saying, yes, I, I, want, I want to do this. I want to, I want to understand this a bit better. Most probably not a lot. Oh. I, would, I, would, I, would, I would be very interested in knowing if you go into like, um, say, the South African environment and you ask those at that level, how many of you have got a sort of full-time person that you connect with on a regular basis that's busy yeah. helping you evolve, evolve yourself as a human being so that you can perform better? Very few of them would say yes. Sure. Um, and I think there's a huge thing to be said for athletes being willing to invest in themselves. Yeah. You know, par- it's more, pa- more so parents at times that, that seek me out than the actual athlete because the parents want the best for their child and so they can sort of realize that, you know what, there's more potentially in my, in my, in my child than maybe yeah. he's showing or she's showing out there on the field. Yeah. And um, I, I want the best for them. And so let's try and find somebody that can help with that than an actual elite athlete saying, you know what, I know there's more in me. I can yes. see that I'm averaging 40 at this point in time, but I believe I can average 50. How can yes. I, I need people to, to help and support me with that? How do I get there? And what, yeah. what, do, you think, what do you think a reason is for, behind that? You know, do you think there's still a bit of a stigma attached to this idea of Kind of seeing a psychologist or a sports psychologist or a mental coach do you think it's a sign of weakness or yeah, yeah i've got to be careful with this answer no, no i've got to be careful with this because i think it's easy to step on people's toes and i know yeah i'm not a sports psychologist i'm, I'm not yeah. qualified as a sports psychologist and yeah. i i know there's sports psychologists out there that aren't in the way that i'm going to answer this question so yes. i'm not talking about them sports psychology has a background in humans being broken and needing to be fixed. Mm. And so often they use sort of regression and past hurts and past experiences. Um, and yes, there's times when that stuff has to be healed for an athlete. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not dispelling that. I'm not saying that yeah. there isn't value in that for one moment. Yeah. But the flip side is also true that you don't always have to do that. A lot of people are healthy and functioning and standing on their own feet and sort of the work I really do is helping those athletes that are yeah. sort of standing firm. They, 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 it's not like the past hurts and things they haven't dealt with them and they can't sort of look to move forward in their lives. Absolutely. You know, that, those are the people I work with. But I think the general public has this perception that all, all mental game stuff is based on that sort of having to fix, having to heal psychology. And yeah. then people avoid that. People tend to avoid that, yeah. Yeah, no, fair, yeah, fair, fair, fair point. Um, so listen, when, when people hear about sports psychology or they hear about mental coaches or, you know, they, they, 
we the, one of the one of the phrases that often comes up is is this idea of being in the zone right so we hear players it's kind of this sometimes this mystical state that they that they want to get into um or this idea of kind of being in a state of flow um what what does that mean to you how how would you sort of define that um sort of yeah that sort of state yeah, look, I mean, well, isn't that what everybody wants? Want to be, want to be in that place. I mean, I know, I know that cricketers, or maybe I've heard, I've been in talks where elite cricketers speak, and they say they maybe were there once or twice in their life where they felt they could really control the game, and everything yeah. just happened in the way that they wanted it. Yes, and I see more and more there's people out there sort of advertising that they can get you into a state of flow. Uh, you know, do these one or two, three simple hacks or tips or tricks and boom, yep. you'll be there. So I'm, my, my personal understanding of it is that we can try and cultivate it on a daily basis. And yes. some days we'll be in it a little bit more than others. But I think that real experience of like completely being in it, I, I, I don't know if that's something that, uh, that you can sort of just access by a quick tip or a quick hack. Yeah. I think there's so many components in the external environment and internal environment that have to be in place in order for an athlete to experience that. I love how you said that. And it's such a good, it's such a good way of thinking about it because I think, you know, what I've read and, and sort of learned about it is exactly that. It's almost this, it is this kind of knife edge balance between kind of being, being fully aware and almost becoming like part of the environment and like you said sort of assimilating all of those elements but not so conscious that it actually you know st stresses you out it's it's like you you you're still kind of operating in a in a state of feel you're not sort of becoming overly conscious about trying to control all of those elements but you it's like they're just hyper aware um things almost happen in slow motion often a lot of players say say that you know they, yeah. they're not under any pressure it's like they just know where where things are going to be, how, how things are going to play out. So yeah, I love how you said that. It's exactly that. It's kind of trying to find that, that little balance between those two areas. And that's probably why it is such a difficult space to be in because you can't just push a few buttons and, and you, you just switch that on, you know, like you said, yeah. with an output of a number of elements. Yeah. But like, I don't know who listens to your podcast, but if there are any athletes or coaches that are, you know, yeah. or even parents that are, that are listening in, the beauty for me of the mental game is that you can tweak and this is the, like this to me is the real mental game is you can tweak a belief to create a different state to deliver a different result. Yes. And so when we can when we can say, OK, cool. So I understand that in order for me to be in flow, there needs to be sort of this say at a very simplified level, those four things. So when I feel my ego get involved or when I feel my sense of time sort of being connected with something or when I feel like this is very like very effort, like I've got to put in a lot of effort or I'm sort of completely low key or I'm not really connected with this experience. What is it that I can tweak in my mental game or what is it that's interfering with me having that experience is maybe a better way to approach it. Yes. So. Ah, you know what, when, when I'm in this situation against this bowler, or when I'm standing on the rugby field and I'm facing that opposition, or when I'm on the track and I look next to me and there's these athletes next to me, um, you know, and then this is the thing that interferes. And there will be something that pops up for the, for the athlete to say, ah, you know, if I stand next to Usain Bolt, I, I think oh, I haven't got a chance. And that thought, that, that one moment, yes. that's where you sort of lose your connectedness with experience. 
So if we can sort of go into that thought, understand it, unpack it and get you to maybe say, you know what, it, it's just Usain Bolt that's, you know, I'm, I'm just yet to run my race. I'm not yet to necessarily compete against the people against me. Then yeah. chances are I can connect better with that experience than, than worrying about the people outside of me. And that's just like a very crude example of how that sort of a yeah. conversation could go, could go with an athlete. It could be more involved. It could be even more simple for some. I love that, Joe. You know, I think that's such a, that's such a practical um, example. And, and I love what you were saying. And it kind of, kind of touches on um, my next question, I suppose, is what are some of those common sort of mental errors or, or obstacles that, that you've seen in, in the players that you've worked with over the years? You know, are there kind of these common patterns or these sort of negative thoughts or obstacles that, that players struggle with? um th there are some common ones i don't know if i'm going to remember them all now I, I would maybe talk about the one that's really relevant for me at this point in time yeah sure. i think one of the biggest i think one of the biggest things athletes do is they outsource their they outsource their game and they outsource their development so they outsource oh. their ability to perform and their development to coaches and and it's really with no disrespect to coaches yeah. But as a coach, as, as somebody who's coached cricket for 25 years and sort of more in the mental performance space um, at this point in time, I understand that an athlete goes to a coach to get better and a coach is there to help support the athlete to become better. Mm. But if that relationship becomes skewed to the point where the athlete relies on the coach to make them better rather than using the coach as a vehicle or a tool to sort of help mm -hmm. them achieve what they want to achieve mm -hmm. like the, the 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 simplicity of that of setting it up in that way solves in my mind so many performance related issues sure. from a from a simple place where the athlete stands on a field and they go this is not my grip this is not really how i kick a ball this yes. is not this is this is not how i want to play the game or how i want to express myself but i do it because my coach sort of said that i had to do it in that way yes from the simplicity of that and the mental sort of anguish that that can cause an athlete to maybe finer things like not backing themselves, not having the confidence where that stuff translates down into other sort of performance related areas. To me, like right now with the stuff that I'm sort of busy with, with a whole bunch of athletes is that that's at the heart of everything for me. So I'm a big believer in authenticity. I'm a big believer in, uh, every single person in this life playing what I call play your own game. So my game is, is not your game and we can be in a team and we can have a team goal. And I've got to express myself within that in my own unique way. And I think when we can tap into every single person's uniqueness and give them the ability to do that self-belief increases because now I'm not believing something you trying to sell me. I'm believing in me and I know what I'm about. I'm about, doing it in this way and if i'm encouraged to do it in that way then all of a sudden my confidence goes up and my belief goes up and yes. i start feeling better about myself and i'm feeling better about myself i can be a better teammate and i can be a better i can be better at my home like the spill off of that one simple thing in my mind is huge wow i love that yeah i mean you're right because i mean these things really are so interconnected and i love that point about players maybe needing to take take that ownership to take take that accountability of 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 your development and like you said uh, you know good coaches are there to help you whether it's on the mental side or the technical side to to teach you skills to unlock 
you know, new areas to, to help you to kind of push and to navigate into a new space, but it's got to come from, from within. Um, yeah. And so I think if the training environment doesn't reflect that, then we're not building up the athlete to go out there and perform it on their own. Because as a coach, I'm not there to hold their hand and say, hey, remember this, this guy is going to do this now. Or remember, yeah. we got to look for that. That doesn't exist out there. They yes. are the one at the end of the day, when they lift their bat for a hundred or when they kick the goal through the goal or they put the ball through the post to win a World Cup final or whatever it might be, they have to be able to do it. And I think our training environments don't reflect that. At athletes arrive at training, relying on the coach to tell them what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, what intensity, what intent energy, what state they're going to be in, what mindset they're going to show up, what they're going to work on, what they need to improve. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, and you are so right. Again, just, just that idea of sort of accountability, I suppose, um, and shifting yeah. into that space of realizing it's not just a way for instruction. Like you said, you, you, you're not on the field with them. They can't outsource that part of their development. So yeah. what, what are some of the, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of techniques and, and ideas in this space. Um, what are some of the, the sort of the techniques or the practices that you really advocates or that you found have worked well in in helping athletes to to take more ownership to kind of counter some of that negative thinking to to get over mental blocks um it, it reach that state of flow well what, yeah, what are, yeah what are some of the, the the things that you like to use with your clients yeah personally i'm a big believer in mindfulness big 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 believer in yeah. that um yeah. and i think it's a I think it's a topic that scares a lot of people because they have the, the sort of thing, okay, I've got to meditate now. So I've got to cross my legs, put my hands in a way, become <laughs> serene, maybe dress in a different way. But yeah. I like to keep it sort of a little bit more practical and say, you know what, the, the whole idea of mindfulness isn't, it's such a simple tool to meet a couple of criteria. Firstly, we often talk about control the controllables. Yep. Your breath is something you carry with you every single day. And it's and it, and it happens so automatically, it has to be there, but it's something that you can focus on in the moment. Yeah. And it's something that you can control. So, so that's my first reason why I really like it, because it says, you know what, if I have to control something in a high performance environment, I can actually control my breath, I can't control the opposition, I can't control sort of um, how a ball comes at me. Yeah. I can't control the ref. I can't control what my coach is busy thinking. I can't control the spectators. Now under COVID, there isn't a lot of them in any case. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't control that. But what I can control is my breath. Yeah. So that's the, that, it's, it's such an easy thing to just start practicing and start attaching to that. It can remind us of that. Yeah. The next thing is that your, your whole interconnected mind-body system is all connected. And so under pressure, under stress, when we start experiencing the sweaty palms and the heart racing and yeah. that sort of fight flight mode kicks in, the easiest way to almost like reset that or get us back to a place where what I call like you switch your mind back on because under pressure, fight flight mode, you, are, you, you cannot have that interconnected experience. Now yes. it's an either or situation. I'm either doing this or I'm doing that. And which one is it going to be? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or I'm going to freeze. I'm going to stand still in the middle and not go anywhere and hope the lion doesn't see me kind of thing, you know? Yes. 
And so what I like about breathing is, that, and there's research on this. Um, there's a phenomenal TED talk by a guy where he actually puts, uh, I can't remember his name. He puts, uh, uh, maybe I'll send you the link and you can put it in the description below. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he physically attaches a person to like a heart rate monitor. And he shows how through contro just controlling your breathing, you can sort of stabilize, my word, stabilize your heart rate. And once your heart rate stabilizes or your heart rate becomes in rhythm, yes. see under fight flight, your heart rate is erratic. So it sends the signal to your brain that there's a problem here. Yeah. We're under so if we can through breathing, if we can then through our breathing sort of find a rhythm, our heart rate becomes in a rhythm. It sends the signal to your mind that, you know what, everything's okay. Yes. And, 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 and in a performance environment, you are not under the same type of pressure that you are facing a lion, like a real life or death sort of threat. Yeah. So yes. if we can sort of through our breathing, find the rhythm, send the signal to our mind that, you know what, everything here is okay. Our minds can sort of switch on and say, oh, okay, cool. I remember I've got to go in this direction. I've got to focus on this or I've got to execute that or whatever it is that your strategy is then. Yes. So the easiest way I think that we can train this. So when mm -hmm. I work with uh, sort of young athletes that at school, I say, this isn't about you doing, like I said, this funny thing and, and, and becoming sort of a, a guru and becoming yeah. supremely spiritual. Yeah. This is really just, if you, let's say the first three periods every morning, when you move between class classrooms, what do you do? You must probably on your phone or you're chatting to a mate or, you know, you're joking around or you, whatever. Yeah. How about, how about just from one classroom to the next classroom, for the first three movements of your day, you just from there to there, you just focus on your breath. That's all you do. Yeah. It can literally be that simple. How about when you come up out of your bed and you put your feet on the ground every morning, you just say, right, for the next minute, I'm going to just focus. And maybe the better you get at it, then you can start extending that to say three minutes, four minutes, five minutes. Yeah. And I think just something as simple as that yeah. can allow us to, when we need it, because Training a mental skill like that is like lifting a weight. It's like hitting your cover drive. It's like training the skill of kicking the ball in the way that you want to be kicking it. Absolutely. And so when you can do that on a regular basis, on a daily basis, when you're in the heat of battle and you switch that on, now your mind is used to it, your body is used to it, boom, it'll most probably have a huge effect. Not most probably, the evidence is there that it'll have a huge effect on your ability to just get back into controlling the controllables, like resetting your mind, yeah. knowing where you want to go and and i mean you, so at the beginning you, you spoke about this idea of um kind of visualization um is that have you worked at all a bit with that have you found you know sort of pre the game and cricket as well I, i'm thinking if you're not fielding and you're kind of waiting to bat you can sometimes be sitting for a long period of time how do you sort of say stay already kind of prepare mentally for what it's going to be um like on, on you know on the field um has is something like visualization have you found that to be useful with any of your clients yeah yeah yeah, definitely so i've got a couple of clients that they say it doesn't work for them <laughs> yeah to be honest and i think that's that's a lot of people's response then i would so the starting point of that would normally be well let's see what you can visualize tell me yeah. about your tell me about your bedroom like where's your bed yeah. where's yeah. your where's your cupboard if you open yeah. your cupboard like how is it structured inside there where's your clothes you know yeah um so, so we can start if you really find, yeah, start visualizing simple things. And it is a, it is a, it's a mental skill. 
just yes. like you have skills in your sport and some of them as an athlete you couldn't do when you were younger and now you can and you and you put in the work with it and you put in the training with it yeah and yes now you as an elite athlete or somebody that's maybe it's not elite maybe it's just somebody that's in high school that's listening in and so now you've got some skill but you still have to work at it and so it's the same with visualization it's the yeah. same with the breathing it's the same with all these things that yes if you're going to do it sporadically and yes if you're going to do just a little bit a little bit or yes if you're not going to back it you won't develop it and then it won't benefit you. Yeah. But if you start working at it and you start failing at it and making the mistakes and learning at it, then then a couple of years down the line, all of a sudden you are a brilliant visualizer. And then I believe you will see the benefit from that in yeah. your performance. Absolutely. So so yeah, and, and, and maybe maybe just sorry, some some other advice I would give with that or tips I would give with that is hmm. So when we visualize, it can have different purposes. So a lot of people will say, visualize the past. So yes, visualize the past. That's great. But understand the purpose of that. The past, past visualizations for me would be, especially if you're visualizing past successes, that would be for that sort of feeling of confidence. Like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I've done this before. Okay, I can trust a little bit more yeah, because been there, done that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. When we, when we visualize the future, like what I want, what my dreams are, when we, that's for motivation, energy, motivational sort of energy, like inspiration, like, yeah, I got this. So if we're low on energy, pick up like some visualization, like, oh, yeah, remember, I want to achieve this. I want to have that. I want to. And the more we do that, the more we can start kickstarting that sort of, okay, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm feeling inspired, inspired. I'm energized. Yeah. Yeah. To me, to me, the most important visualization you can learn to do is the visualization of the the actual performance okay great and within that yeah and within that it it's not just the perfection of the performance but the 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 sort of stumbling of the performance as well so i walk out to bat um i face my first ball i play and miss at it i feel under the pump a little bit i'm kicking mm -hmm. in my breathing uh you know i feel like how my body settles into that i walk into the crease again I feel ready to face the next ball. I know that for me, I really just try and focus in on the ball, you know, or I watch a general area where I know I'm going to see the ball from. And so you're not just visualizing, oh yeah, I hit that beautiful shot through the covers for four. You also visualizing mm. the process that mm. gets you there. Mm. And you visualizing yourself when sort of, oh, shucks, this bowler comes on and I'm really struggling against him. How do I step out of my crease? Give myself a moment to breathe. How do I formulate that plan? How do I step back into the crease and execute it? So it's not just, and then you can, yes, definitely add in all the niceties of like, yeah, I whipped that off my legs and I hit it for four. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I win the game. I win yeah. the game and all these great things, you know? So I think that's such a great piece of advice, Jody, exactly that. And, and it kind of keeps that focus, um, like you said, on the process itself and on, on your yeah. processes and on the things that, that you can control um, and actually visualizing, almost helping your body to get there and almost experience it and to start setting your, setting your, your mind and your body into that, that idea of this is actually what I'm going there to do. Like you said, hitting the four and, you know, all of those things are almost the outcome of it. But if I, if my feet yeah. are in the right place or, you know, it's it's going to be hard for me to execute that shot so you know, yeah I, that, that kind of visualization of actually being in the moment and executing the tasks almost experiencing that before you go out and do it i think it's a great primer for yeah the, which is really cool i also love what you're saying you know just that and i think it's such a such a good point as well that not you know 
all of these techniques, all these different ideas, not everything will work for everybody. And that's also yeah. like, hey, and, and that's and that's kind of what the great thing is about also maybe experimenting and trying. And you know, for, for someone, some something like the, the visualization might be, you know, a perfect fit and they love it. Like you said, maybe for someone else, not as much, but there'll be something else that they respond to. Maybe it's trigger words or a routine or it's whatever that really resonates yeah. with them. So yeah, I love I love that that idea as well. And that's like you said, when people take ownership, if they start exploring and 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 reading and practicing, that's the only way they're going to figure out what what works for them. You know. So yeah, one yeah, one hundred percent. So I think in the conversation earlier, I said I spoke a little bit about tips and tricks and hacks and those sort of things. I'm very careful of those things. Yes, there could be tips, tricks, and hacks. They they, they could definitely exist. Yeah. But I think it's important for each athlete to find out what those are for them. You yeah. know, you might listen to what works for Steve Smith or what works for, uh, I don't know, whoever in, in, in whatever your sport is. And you read that yeah. and you go, okay, because this works for them, it will work for me. Yeah. Um, and so I think what you say and, you know, based on having to maybe read and research and try and fail and figure it out to go, ah, now I've got my formula. Now yes. I've got the formula to my performance. I know how I am going to do this, but I have taken the time to experiment a little bit with the visualization stuff. Yes. I have taken the time to experiment with that breathing stuff. Maybe there's affirmations or I do my self-talk or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really just a music guy. I put music on my ear and I sort of get into this flow with that. So I've got to make sure my phone's always charged, you know, like there's yeah. so many avenues and so many pathways into this. Yes. Some people need a concoction of all this stuff. You know, they, yes. they need a bit of listening to, I mean, I, I listened to a podcast the other day and this, this girl was speaking about, she's an Olympic. Um, I think she does like the de decathlon, but they spoke a lot around uh, her long jump. Wow. And she spoke about how she listens to different types of music at different times leading up to her events, like driving wow. to the, to the stadium. She listens to like really chilled out, like jazzy type music. Cause that, that like, I would never listen to jazz. It like irritates me, but for yeah. her, it sort of <laughs> mellows her out. Yeah. Then when she gets into like her warm up phase where she can still have sort of her earphones on or whatever technology she uses, she like listens to very aggressive music because she wants to amp up her state and get sort of yeah. like really psyched up. Yeah. And then when they go into like the, the area uh, just before they step out onto the track they're not allowed any technology in there there she kicks in her breathing and she really starts to focus on that and wow. so it's also it, it, it's sort of learning how so she had to learn how she uses diff, different things around the mental game at different times yes yeah. i love that and i think it's a great a great point to end on i love what you were saying there it's about athletes finding their formula you know, yeah. what, what is that formula that works for you? We know that this can make a difference. Um, and I think if athletes are willing to step into that space, even just to gain greater awareness of the connection between what they think and what they feel and how that impacts on their performance. Um, I think, yeah, I really think there's a world of possibilities there for, for players to, like you said, not only kind of level up their performance, but just their kind of who they are as people as well. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, my last thought on that is, so yes, we've been talking for a large part about athletes, but I think this is so true for every human being. Yeah. So if you're in a corporate environment or you're running your own business, 
having your own routines, your own visualizations, focusing on your breathing, maybe, and you know, yeah. having all of these things in place for every human being to a certain, and having their own formula for their own success to make them be the best of what they can be in their environment. I think that's super important. Absolutely. Jody, thank you so much for your time this morning. I really, really appreciate it. Listen, if, uh, if people want to get hold of you or they want to follow you or check out um, some, some of the stuff that you do, how, how can people uh, find you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram, Clubhouse. Um, I'm not a lot on Twitter, but I have a Twitter account. I would say those, those would be the best sort of ways. Uh, Facebook too. All of them are at Real Jody Martins. Okay. And I only use that name because I couldn't fit in the name that I wanted on all the different platforms with what they allow in terms of characters. So that's the <laughs> one that fits everywhere. That's the one yeah. that fits everywhere. But just at real Jody Martins, um, they can find me. Find me. Okay, brilliant. Way. Brilliant. I'll, I'll put all the links and stuff there as, as well. Jody, listen, thank you so much for your time. It was so cool to talk about, um, yeah, like I said, the, just such a critical part of of our life and our success and our performance. Like you said, whether you're an athlete or whether you're in the business world or just as people in general, um, just to understand the importance of the mental game, I think is so crucial. So thank you for sharing your knowledge and um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll chat soon. Thanks for having me. Yeah, perfect. Cool. Pleasure, man. Cheers. Eh? Bye.